Today I want to talk about mission and vision. I've entitled this one, A Community's Mission. A mission defines and shapes who we are today. It determines our values, our purposes, our beliefs, meaning, how we do our work, what our work is. A congregation without a mission is like a ship without a rudder. It floats, but never goes anywhere with purpose and meaning. It cannot avert danger, nor can it bring us to a desired destination. A mission is like a rudder. It can, and if used properly, bring us to our destination. A mission gives us form. A mission shapes who we are. A mission provides meaning and purpose. In this teaching, we will explain our mission, the mission of the harvest. It is why we exist as a faith community. It is what motivates us and directs us in our service to King Jesus and his kingdom agenda. Understanding and fulfilling our congregation's mission will result in us, our congregation, doing our part to advance the kingdom of Messiah on earth as it is in heaven. Go ahead and back that up. We don't need that right now. Thank you. Don't take away my sizzle. <laughs> Don't bury the lead. Okay. So understanding and fulfilling our, our congregation's mission results in us doing our part to advance the kingdom of Messiah on earth as it is in heaven. And this brings true meaning and satisfaction into our lives. So let's take a dive into our community's mission. There we go. This is our mission. We exist to help people encounter Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. That's our mission. I would encourage everyone that's a member in this place to memorize that, to get it deep down inside of you. This is who we are as a community. This is what we do as a community. It is our mission in the kingdom of God to help people encounter Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. Because everything, if you think about it, everything begins and ends with Jesus. He's the beginning and the end. He's the Son of God, the Savior of the world. In Him alone, we find our way back to the Father. We're born in a world that's dark and in chaos, and we're lost. And Jesus comes. He is sent by the Father to seek us out. He's the one that brings us back to the Father. He's the way, the truth, and the life. In Him alone, we are able to discover what is true from what is false. In him alone, we find meaning and purpose, a true life that begins in him and never ends, a forever life. So the harvest exists to help everyone to encounter and foster an authentic 
life-sustaining relationship with Jesus and then with each other. With Jesus and then with each other. Like Pastor Shannon was sharing at communion, that when you partake of the bread, you become one with everyone else who is partaking of the bread. It brings us into unity, fellowship, where we become one in the Messiah. So, that being stated, let's unpack it. There's a lot there to unpack in our mission statement. Again, in John chapter 14 and verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. No one comes to the Father, the creator of all things seen and unseen. No one comes to him except through Jesus. I am the way. I am the way. Now, we, we pulled that right out. It has a context, this passage of Scripture that provides the meaning. I am the way. The way to what? Right? Where was Jesus going? He was talking to his disciples, and he was telling them that he's going back to the Father. And he's going to prepare places for them so that where he is, they may be also. And in stating that, they were confused because they didn't understand where this place was, where this realm was. He was returning to his Father in heaven. That realm of love and peace and joy, that place of purpose and meaning. And he asked them if they knew how to get there too. He, 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 he wanted them to wrestle with the idea of, can they find where he is going? They couldn't, and they didn't know how. So he said to them that he was the way to heaven. He said to them, I'm the path. Just follow me. If you follow me, you can come to the place where I'm going. I am the way. I am the path. I will lead you home to where the Father dwells, and I'll even prepare a place for you before you get there. Is that amazing? There are other paths. I know that might bother some, but there are other paths other than Jesus. Other paths like Buddhism, Hinduism, Mormonism, Scientology, Wicca, etc., etc. These are other paths. But they don't lead to the same place. They all lead to death and destruction. As Proverbs says in chapter 14 and verse 12, before every person lies a road that seems to be right, but the end of that road is death and destruction. Jesus is the only path to God. No one comes to God except through him. All other paths look like paths that lead to the same place. But in the end is only death and destruction. God has made it very clear that only through his son can there be access to the heavenly realm. One of the patriarchs, Jacob, who was tired in his journey of pursuing God and following what God had laid out for him, 
laid down one night to go to sleep and put his head on a rock and had a vision. And in that vision, there was a ladder that extended from the earth into the heavenlies. And it was that ladder that was a gateway to the heavenlies that Jacob was so moved by that he would make that place holy, set apart because of what had happened in that vision. That was a ladder to the heavenlies. That was, if you will, a stairway to heaven. If you're from the 70s. If you're, if you're from the last, what, 10 years, it's a portal. <laughs> but he had found the gateway to heaven. Later, it was revealed that the ladder itself was the Messiah. That the only way from earth to heaven and heaven to earth was through the Messiah. How do we know that? Let me read this to you. This is Jesus when he calls Philip and Nathaniel to follow him. It's found in John chapter 1. I'll be reading verses 43 through 51. Listen to the story. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, come with me. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one who Moses wrote about in the book of the law and whom the prophets also wrote about. He is Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Nathanael asked. Come and see, answered Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him, he said about him, He's a real Israelite. There's nothing false in him. Nathanael asked him, How do you know me? Jesus answered, I saw you when you were under the fig tree before Philip called you. Now, of course, this is... This is a pretty big miracle because what it's saying is this. In that other place beyond my vision, before Philip even called you, I saw you sitting underneath the fig tree. Now, Nathaniel here is like, how would you know that? I mean, there's no possible way that you can know that unless it's a God thing. Teacher, answered Nathanael. You are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said to him, do you believe just because I told you that I saw you when you were under the fig tree? Do you think, do you think that's a big thing? Right? You haven't seen anything yet. That's nothing, Nathaniel. That's nothing. You will see much greater things than this. And he said to them, I'm telling you the truth. You will see heaven open and God's angels going up and coming down on the Son of Man. He's the ladder to heaven. Jesus is the way. He's the pathway. He's the stairway to heaven. It's the only stairway. It's Messiah himself. And only through him do we gain access to that realm. Everyone else Every other religion, every other path leads only to death and destruction. There's only one stairway to heaven, and his name's Yeshua, the Messiah. So in summary, Jesus and Jesus alone is the stairway to heaven. All other paths may seem legit, 
may have some wisdom, but they all lead to hell. We need to repent from seeking our own paths and embrace Him as the true path to heaven. The second part of this mission is Jesus' statement that I am the truth. That's real popular today, right? Try to say anything about the truth and people just freak out, right? (sighs) Jesus is not saying that I am one of many truths. Jesus is saying I am the truth, singular truth, which means all truth resides in him. John 1.1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. Jesus is the origin and revelation of what is true and real. Seek him, embrace him as the origin and embodiment of truth, and then you will know the truth. And in knowing what is true, you'll find freedom. John 8, 31 through 32. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The truth about what? The truth about him. The truth about you. The truth about God, the truth about the cosmos, the truth about gender identity, the truth about what? Money and finance. See, there's a truth and a falsehood related to everything that we see and hear and experience. And Jesus is the revelation of what is actually true and real about everything and anything. He is the truth. He told them, You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are the offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. So how is it that you say you'll become free? So they were talking about the natural realm. They said, Hey, we're not anyone's slave. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus answered and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Hello? If you practice sin, you'll become enslaved by it. Has anyone ever been enslaved by sin? Yeah, you can practice it and get enslaved to it. You can get free from that. But if you return to it and practice it at a given point, you become enslaved again. And then you need another deliverance, right? We know this. We've all experienced this. And he's saying to them, if you practice sin, you're a slave to it. If you come to me, I'll set you free. I'm the bondage breaker. Verse 35, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. In Christ, we can be free from any sin. I don't care what that sin is. Fill fill in the blank. What is your sin? What do you feel like grips you and controls you? In Jesus, you can be free from that. Forever free. That doesn't mean that you can't fall back into it and over a period of time become enslaved again. But that's because you and I choose that. And that doesn't mean that he won't deliver you again. He will. 
But why live in that when we can live as free men and free women? It's for freedom that he died for us. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. This whole issue of truth takes a little bit different twist in Pauline theology. It says, The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power, false signs, and wonders. The whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Evil interacts with our world. And guess what it works through? Demonic agencies who work through people to accomplish evil in the natural realm. So when people embrace evil, when people have evil spirits that influence them, then they do evil things that impact our world. This is how the world operates. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power, false signs, and wonders. He's a liar. He deceives. He seduces in order to trap us and enslave us. Jesus comes to undo that work and to set us free. 2 Thessalonians 2.10 He comes with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refused to love the truth and so be saved. People are perishing because they have no regard for the truth. They don't care about truth. All they care about is their next meal or their next hit or whatever it is that they're doing. It's just about them. And because they have no love for the truth, they're swept away in deceptive lies and seductions, getting enslaved in the end by the things that they serve, living as slaves rather than in the image of God, free. So they perish because they refused to love the truth. Verse 11, therefore God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false. Underline God sends. Who's sending the delusion? God, not the enemy, God. Why would God send a delusion? Because he loves you. He wants to help you do what's in your heart. Pharaoh, he had a hard heart. He hardened his heart towards God multiple times. God finally said, oh, 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 you want a hard heart? Is that what you want, son? Let me help you with that. And he gave him a heart of stone, right? So when we have no regard for the truth, at a given point, God says, really? You like all that deception? Here, let me give you some that you'll never figure your way out of. That's the fear of the Lord. I fear him because of that. I'm not going to play around with this stuff. I'm going to foster and cultivate a love for the truth. I don't want to be deceived. I don't want him to send a delusion that I can't figure out and get trapped in, right? God sends a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false. Why? Verse 12, in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Again, who is the truth? Jesus is the truth. I am the way and the truth. And because they had no regard for the truth, because they had rejected the truth, God sends a deluding influence to lead them further into the darkness so there's no escape 
their condemnation is sealed, and they're destined for hell. Truth matters. Won't you say truth matters? It's a big deal. God is a God of love and mercy and grace, and he's also a God of truth. Jesus says, I am the truth. I've come to save you. If you reject that, then what is left for you, right? So in summary, Jesus is the embodiment and revelation of truth. We need to embrace him as the truth, not one of many truths. He is the truth. He is the ultimate rabbi. He is our rabbi, our teacher. How do we understand the Torah? Through the lens of our rabbi. We don't need to read the sages to gain wisdom and understanding. We need to read the writings of Messiah and his apostles. That's how we'll understand the Torah. That's how we'll understand the world we live in. That's how we'll understand ourselves and each other, right? That's where we'll find our freedom. Amen. We will follow him. And because of that, we'll experience the truth. The truth about the cosmos. Our world that we live in. The truth about ourselves. What the meaning and purpose of life is. This is why truth is important. And the reward, the reward for embracing the truth, God will keep us when everyone around us is being deceived, enslaved, and led away into darkness and ultimately destruction. God will keep us. On the way, I'm the truth. And then finally he says, I am the life. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. In the beginning was the Word. It already existed. The Word was with God and the Word was God. From the very beginning, the Word was with God. Through Him, God made all things. Not one thing in all creation was made without Him. Verse 4 and 5, the Word was the source of life. And this life, was brought, or, and this life brought light to people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has never put it out. Jesus says, I am God, and I am the source of life. It originates in me and flows from me. It's like light coming into a world of darkness, and it overcomes the darkness. And everyone that embraces me and receives the light receives life. John 1.10, the word was in the world and through God made the world through him. Yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own country, but his own people did not receive him. Some, however, did receive him and believed in him, so he gave them the right to become God's children. They did not become God's children by natural means, that is, by being born as the children of a human father. God himself was their father. Everyone experiences the first birth. It's earthly, it's natural. We are born with a sin nature. We are called the children of wrath. We are destined for hell from the, the point of taking our first breath. Our destiny is already set. It's a fallen, desperate world. 
Jesus came that we might have life. Jesus came that we might have another birth, a second birth. The second birth is the birth that results from believing in Jesus. And as a result, we are born from above. We are born spiritually. First naturally, but in Jesus, we have a second birth, a new birth. And in that new birth, we become a new creation. And in that new creation person that we are, we experience transformation. Everything changes. Life itself permeates and animates us. We become the children of God. That's huge in every way. That's a change of status. When you have as your father, the creator of all things seen and unseen, unlimited in power and wisdom and love, nothing will ever again be impossible for you or me. It's a game changer. The word was the source of life. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. 1 John chapter 5, 11-12, and, and the testimony, truth, right? And the truth is this, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. What we have in Messiah is eternal life. It's a life source and a life force that's indestructible. What we have in Jesus will never perish. Our lives will never end. There is nothing that can ever separate us from God, not even death. It is a forever life. So even though we die in the natural realm, we go on living. And the next realm we step into, what a journey that's going to be. And that's even the interim. The full life to come and the age to come with the new heavens and the new earth is our final destination, which is just so mind-blowing. Oh, man. can hardly wait to get there. But I don't want to miss out on anything by rushing into the future I want to live life to the fullest now, right? Live it now because you'll never live it again. Unbelievers, those who reject Jesus, they will answer for their sins. They have no atonement. And due to their rejection of Jesus, they will ultimately be cast into the lake of fire where both their life and souls will be destroyed, annihilated, and consumed in the fires. So in summary, the life that God offers is true life, a never-ending life, saturated, dripping with love and peace, meaning and purpose. It only exists in and through Jesus. Outside of him, there is no true life. The Apostle Paul says that we're dead in our trespasses and sins. Paul, when he talks about our life in the natural realm, he says, yeah, you're living, but not really. He, he says, you're like the living dead. We, we call those zombies today. If you watch any movies or, you know, you got apocalypse 
zombies, you've got The Walking Dead, right? How many people have seen The Walking Dead, right? I just laugh at this all the time because I think, oh my gosh, there's so many connecting points to what Paul is saying. We're alive naturally, but mortally, or, or yeah, mortally sick with the contagion of sin and shame. We're like infected zombies stumbling around in this hell-bound world waiting for our fate in the lake of fire, a permanent, irreversible second death. But God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son so that whoever would believe in him would have life eternally. That's the good news. Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16 states this. Then Jesus said to them, So wherever you go in the world, tell everyone the good news. What's the good news? That in Jesus, we can have forgiveness of sin and be reconciled to the Father and have heaven as our destiny along with the world to come. That's the good news. That's the good news. Tell everyone the good news. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. That's the truth. That's the truth. As horrible as that sounds, that's the truth. The lie of universalism that God is love and love will win out means that everyone will be brought into heaven. That's a lie. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. To reject the Son of God will result in condemnation, torment, and the lake of fire. That's the truth. Good news is, for anyone who wants to be forgiven, who wants to be reconciled, who wants to know God, who wants to have heaven as their destiny, it's through faith in Jesus. So in closing, let's look at our mission once again. We exist to help people encounter Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. That's why we exist. That's what we do. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, I am here speaking with all the authority of God who has commanded me to give you this commission. Go out and make disciples in all the nations ceremonially wash them through baptism in the name of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's what we're supposed to do. Love people, share the good news with them, right? Ask them if they're ready to receive Jesus in their hearts. If they're not, continue to love them. If they are, lead them in a prayer where they confess him as their Lord and Savior, where they put their trust in him. That's how people get born again. And then in doing that, invite them to our community. We'll get them wet behind the curtain. We'll immerse them back there, right? And they can start their forever life in a very powerful way in our community as we make them a disciple for Jesus, showing them how to go out and share the good news with others to bring them in and advance the kingdom of Jesus on earth as it is in heaven. Verse 20. Then disciple them, form them in the practices and postures 
that I have taught you and show them how to follow the commands that I've laid down for you. And I will be with you day after day to the end of the age. We will teach them the Torah. They will step into a whole new way of living filled with awe and wonder. They will also experience the backlash of this dark world. But with us, they will overcome it. As believers, we have all that we need to help people encounter Jesus. He's in you. Do you believe in him? He's in you. He's wanting to touch the lives of those around you. You just need to be sensitive to what he's doing and to share his love and to speak his words and get ready for something to happen as they encounter the living Christ. You, you're the representative. Don't look at me. Don't, don't, don't bring them from me to do the work that you've been given. You ride the thrill of that journey of bringing people to faith. That's your calling. It's my calling too, but it's your calling. You do it, you do it as well. And together, together, we'll bring a multitude of people into the kingdom to experience the love of God. Always remember that he is with us, he is in us, and that we're his representatives. We have the authority of heaven, the power of heaven, the message of heaven to bring life and freedom to all of those around us who desire it. Man, that's good. That is good. That's the meaning and purpose of life. That's what we do. Next week, I'll talk about vision. Mission is about who we are today, and vision is about who we'll be in the future. Where we're at today versus where we want to be five or ten years down the road. So next week, I'll, I'll bring and introduce uh, our vision for 2024. We tweaked our mission and vision, so that's why we're presenting this as we go into 2024. So, God is with you. Go share the love of God. Be a light. This is the season of light. We are like Hanukkah menorahs. Be a light to the nations and bring people to faith in the light of God who has come to save us in this darkness that we live in. Hallelujah. Shabbat shalom, everyone.